Hello, and thanks for coming back. This is Teaching Together, the complete mathematics podcast, where we talk about making our teaching of a chosen idea more impactful. Today, I'm here with my complete mathematics colleague, Johnny Hall. Hello. And what are we looking at today, Johnny? Today, we're looking at surface area of cuboids. This is from stage seven, unit seven of a complete mathematics curriculum. You can access this objective and the whole curriculum made up of over 1,800 objectives at completemaths.com for free. So without further ado, let's dive into teach, do, practice, behave with surface area of cuboids. Remember that you can follow along by downloading the side deck of tasks from completemaths.com forward slash podcast. Before we teach pupils a new idea, we need to make sure that we're teaching the correct level of mathematics. If it's too easy, pupils will not be thinking hard enough. But if the complexity level is too high, we run the risk of cognitive overload and a whole host of negative emotions. We can check that pupils are ready for this level of mathematics by checking the prerequisite knowledge for this idea. What are the prerequisites for this objective, Johnny? And how do we go about testing them? Okay, so we've got area of rectangles is the, is the obvious choice. You're not going to do surface area without knowing how to find the area of a rectangle and the language of faces. Um, isometric drawing as well. I like to make sure pupils have had a, a go at drawing um, sort of cuboids on a 2D representation of a cuboid on isometric paper. And then there's a slightly softer prerequisite of volume. It's not strictly necessary, I guess, but like the whole topic becomes a lot more engaging. You can do a lot more with the topic if pupils are familiar with volume of cuboids. Um, I like to talk about like sort of like hard and soft prerequisites. Um, volume is one of those where it's not strictly needed, but it, it really, really does make it more interesting. It's a bit like when you're looking at, say, the cosine rule. You could do the cosine rule technically without any knowledge of Pythagoras' theorem, but the whole thing makes a lot more sense if you have done um, Pythagoras' theorem beforehand. No, I absolutely agree. And, and building up on those prerequisites for, for very robust learning is, is a really is a really important thing that, that we need to do in the classroom. Um, I'm going to add one more prerequisite in there, uh, being nets, because I think that um, if you consider uh, the surface area of a cuboid being the area of the compound shape from its net, I think that that's a really nice link to make as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So uh, how, are we, how are we going about that then, Johnny? Um, I'm, I'm going to guess example problem pairs. Ex yeah, exactly. Example problem pairs, uh, mini whiteboard stuff, and uh, and if you're doing the things like the isometric paper, you can physically look at see what their drawings are, look are looking like. Are they looking at anything remotely like a cuboid? If you are, you've got a chance of uh, being able to tackle surface area. Yes, I mean, so you're circulating with the uh, isometric paper, but mini whiteboards for everything else. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So then we're confident that pupils are in fact ready to learn this new idea, and we're ready to teach. And in the teach phase, the idea is entirely novel to pupils, though only just beyond their current level of understanding. The teacher shares key facts and uses metaphor and model to explain and describe so that pupils can meaning make and form connections with their current schema. So, Johnny, we're now teaching surface area of cuboids. And what are you doing now? OK, so I think this is a, a nice um, sort of use of that, that CPAL model you can I always will start by getting the multi-link cubes out and getting them to build the cuboids, simple cuboids. You don't want to use more than sort of like 12 cubes, otherwise it gets a bit crazy. But example problem pair, build the cuboid, count its faces, and that's its surface area. Um, 
and you, you're in, you're instantly getting into that idea where they have to flip the cuboid over, and you can see that two of the sides are doubled, like the top and the bottom is doubled, the two sides are doubled, and, and, the, and the front and back are doubled. Um, then after building it with cuboids, a couple of example problem pairs with that. Then I'll move on to a, a scaled uh, version of it. This is where the isometric paper comes in. So on one centimetre isometric grid, draw the cuboids that they maybe just built to scale, and then can they start can calculating the surface area of those? Again, already trying to establish that idea of yeah, you've got you can you've got three faces that you can now see. But because we just built them in the previous step, you know that there's two in each face. So that doubling, that doubling idea is getting strengthened there. And then eventually, the third set of example problem pairs is where you're drawing a more abstract representation of the cuboid. It's not on square paper anymore. It's not an isometric paper. And you're just labeling the sides, say, four, ten, and three. And then, okay, we, we've got this idea that we need to find the area of each three faces, and then we need to double it at the end. So slides four, five, and six on the PowerPoint uh, show an, an example progression of, of that sort of story. Yeah, slides seven, eight, and nine is is more what I've previously gone with. Um, I've not done so much of the of the getting cubes and counting cubes, and maybe I should be doing that. Um, I tend to find that kids are quite confident with the idea of a Rubik's Cube, so I start with the Rubik's mm -hmm. Cube. Uh, and basically it's count the stickers. How many stickers are there on a Rubik's Cube? And then I'm I'm linking that to the net of a cube. And so you can see on side seven that I've got the net of a Rubik's Cube counting the squares, and so we can get the surface area from that. I then move into cuboids, same sort of thing, um, and we can see the areas there. And then as we move into slide nine, I've got just a, an abstract representation where we have uh, a two by three by four cuboid, and then I'm building that up through the animations with mm. um, color-coded faces, so you can see where the faces are. Uh, it annotates all the side lengths and then adds in the areas, and then for the surface area, we're just adding in the um, adding together those faces. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea, and maybe I should link it to more more with nets than I don't actually do at the moment. I like the idea of the, the color coding the faces. I just think that color is so important. Um, with with literally anything, I think. I yeah, again, it's that like reinforcing that idea that there's two of each face. What do you do if like you've got um, cuboids where maybe it's a two by two by four? I know in the on the slide nine, it's a two by three by four cuboid. What about examples of two by two by four where you've got four of each face? Where you've got four of one face and two faces of the other? Then yeah, what? yeah, I, yeah. I get that, but I think what I'm trying to do here is make this generalization that you'll always have pairs of faces. And yeah. so the the four faces is just, um, I guess, uh, circumstantial on just that that cuboid. I think it's something that kids need to realise that if it's a cube, it's got six identical faces. If it's a cuboid with two lengths the same size, it's got four identical faces and two other ones. And then if all the sides, all the dimensions are different, it's got six. It's got three pairs of two faces, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, yeah. And and I, I I think that comes through the examples like that you need to give pupils. Mm. Yeah, it's a natural thing for us, but yeah, maybe it's something we should highlight more to the to the kids. Right. So as we come to the end of the teach phase, we're going to look at transitioning to do, and that's coming up next. So the teach and do phases don't necessarily set apart from one another, alternating between teach and do with example problem pairs to share the new idea and check that the received curriculum matches the intended curriculum. The teacher bats ideas to and fro 
to and fro until we're happy that pupils are confident in replicating what they've been shown. In most cases, this is likely to be a procedure which leads to a solution and complements the teach phase by allowing pupils to develop fluency in working with the new procedure. The teacher is responsive to pupils' answers, amending their model or example as necessary, which maintains pupil motivation and encourages pupils to think deeply about the idea at hand. So the aim of this stage is for pupils to be successful in replicating the novel idea, and it's important to state that meaningful learning hasn't yet occurred. So for me, once we've finished with example problem pairs, I'm looking for pupils to work in their exercise books to develop greater fluency. Johnny, anything to add? Uh, no, I think right at this stage, it's it's time for your bread and butter examples. Really, here's here's some cuboids. Can you find their their surface area? And yeah, you want them to get used to that process of finding the three areas that they can see and doubling it and getting proficient with that. And once you're happy with them, yeah, they, they can replicate that. Then we can start contemplating moving on into the next phase, which we'll discuss, where we can start looking at much more interesting questions and um, sort of context around this. Yeah. So previously you mentioned using things from like Corbett or Dr. Austin Maths. Yeah. And so on slide 10, um, there is literally four textbook exercise questions from um, the CIMT MEP activities. Um, and if you click on the image, which is of the four questions, that will take you to a PDF file on Dropbox, which has been curated by Nathan Day, friend of teaching together, um, who's put all those together in a, I think it's called indexable file. You can search through the entire thing for the topics that you want. Uh, 2,106 pages. And so it's well worth getting to that. Absolutely. Right. So pupils are now fluent with the idea, having worked through the teach and do phases. But meaningful learning hasn't yet occurred. To promote this longer term retention, we're now going to segue into the practice phase. In the practice phase, pupils move beyond simply performing, and it's quite common that a maths lesson doesn't get this far. Pupils tend to perform with a new idea, literally doing, but don't get the opportunity to form connections between the novel idea and their existing schema. Pupils are now fluent with the process, so we're directing their attention from repeatedly completing the procedure to identifying underlying structures, relationships, and principles, and bringing about stronger connections with prior knowledge. We're looking for a well-structured and intelligently designed exercise. Johnny, what kind of activity might the teacher be using here? Okay, so this task that I, I like to use, um, it's an adaptation of a Don Stewart task, um, Hidden Faces. And to be fair, it's borderline creeping onto the behave phase as well. Um, the idea is that you stick two cubes together and you ask the class okay how many faces can't you see and that's kind of like the general hook for this activity it's it's counting how many hidden faces so when you stick two cubes together each cube has six faces each but when you put them together you lose a face from each cube and um, so you can see 10 faces in total two two are hidden and then what if you do three cubes four cubes five cubes in a line and so on so this slide on this slide at 11 that you can see is just a kind of an introduction to the task and you can see some patterns if you keep adding on a cube you, you keep every cube you add you lose two faces then you can start looking for different length strips of cubes and what if you change the width but that's kind of like your your prelim task for the for the main event which is on slide 12 so you start with say a four by three by two cuboid um 
And then the hook is how many faces are hidden. And this is when I um, link back to when I was talking about hard and soft prerequisites at the, at the beginning. Um, the knowledge of volume is really, really useful here because to find how many faces are hidden, that's quite a headache for, for pupils, trying to trying to get the head round. Okay, how many faces would be hidden in a three by four by two cuboid? But if they know the total volume, if they know how many cubes make up this cuboid, so four times three times two, that's how many one centimeter cubes make up the cuboid. Um, and they know that each one of these cubes has six faces. So they can do six times the volume to work out the total number of faces if you was to separate all the cubes. And then you can link it to surface area. Well, if we can find the surface area, the outside faces of this of this large cuboid, and then we know how many total faces there are in in, in on all the one centimeter cubes, then a sub simple subtraction will actually uh, get us to this answer of the hidden faces. Uh, so it's a nice elegant solution to working out how many hidden faces there are, which is linking the surface area of the cuboid with with the volume of the cuboid. Yeah, I, I hadn't um, used this task before in lessons, and this is certainly something that I'm going to go to when it comes to teaching surface area of cuboids. I think it's worth mentioning that the Don Stewart task um, has the cuboids on a piece of paper. And as a result, there are more hidden faces. Whereas what yeah. you're talking yeah. about, Johnny, is a cuboid that's sort of suspended in the air. Yeah, so mine are like picked up so you can see you can see all all the way around the cuboid. Yeah, whereas Don likes to lay them flat on a piece of paper. Um, Don's probably better than mine, to be honest. He normally is, but this is just how I've used the task in the in the in the classroom. I, I really like the I really like the links between um, surface area and volume here. So I think that I prefer yours. But if right. I were to extend it from this activity, maybe I can then use Don's, which is just a subtraction of the extra face as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess it would be. So on a more on a more basic level, I'll say, less investigationary, uh, slide 13 has just a six-question activity aimed at developing uh, understanding of different areas of maths. So you're finding the surface area of cubes and cuboids. Uh, between A and B, the length doubles, and then the question is, well, why didn't the surface area double? Uh, between B and C, it's the same shape in a different orientation, but with all the side lengths annotated with their, with their lengths. We mentioned this in the volume episode, Johnny. Where yeah, absolutely, extra lengths, yeah. So they don't yeah. just add them all together, times them all together or, or whatever, make them select a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so in D, I've got a six by six by six cube, which is now comparing back to A. And why doesn't um, the surface area just double? Now in E, we've got those two put together. And why isn't E just the surface area of A plus the so surface you're touching on, Yeah, you're touching on my hidden faces there. I am. Know. I'm really sorry yeah. for, 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 for stepping on your toes. No, it's just to say that it was more basic task. I'm saying E's exactly the same as my task. <laughs> and then in uh, F, I'm looking to build on the understanding built from E in a in just sort of more uh, in a newer sort of idea. Um, now, after pupils have formed these strong connections, assimilating this idea into their schema, we're looking at behaving mathematically, and we'll look into that next. We deepen understanding through behaving mathematically. So this phase is the most important of all. Unfortunately, we suspect that the behave phase is often cut short or is missing entirely as teachers feel pressure to cover the scheme of learning. When behaving mathematically, maturation matters. So in the behave phase, tasks are chosen from well-embedded and mature ideas that connect to the novel idea. A good rule of thumb is that this kind of maturation takes two years. We're looking for pupils to transition from specialising to conjecturing and generalising, 
through to analyzing and reasoning with a related idea from two stages previous. Now, for surface area of cuboids, we've put together two tasks on slide 14 and 15. Johnny, you're going to take us through slide 14? Okay, so 14 then is probably... Okay, it's a, it's a brilliant.org um, activity that's been amended slightly. Um, it's got two cubes. One of them, each face has been split into nine, and on the other cube, the, the, the face has been split into, into 25. Um, and the question is basically, which cube has more of its surface shaded? So for this particular behave task, you are looking at the proportions of each face. So you're bringing in things like fractions here. Um, and I quite like it because I guess like, although we've got one split into nine and one into, into 25, um, any odd number of partitions would, would work for this task because then you can look at, okay, what if, what if the face was 49? And if, as you keep increasing it, does the proportions increase or decrease or does it all stay the same? So it's a nice chance to link surface area with 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 ratio, proportion and fractions and, and so on. Yeah, the second task, which is on slide 15, is one that I normally go about using. Um, and in my classroom, I've said on the volume podcast, I've got these form blocks and it's really easy to just make this three by three by three cube out of these form blocks. And on the activity, we have a Rubik's cube formed of 27 cubes. One cube is to be removed. So I can take one of my form cubes out and leave the resultant solid. Now, the question is, what happens if the surface area as a cube is removed? And what's weird is when you remove a cube, the surface area never gets smaller. And what we find is that the surface area when you remove a corner cube stays the same. If you remove a cube from the side, it increases by two. And if you remove a cube from the middle, it increases by four. And I think that's a really nice wow moment for people to experience uh, because it's just yeah. counterintuitive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you imagine most kids say, if I remove a cube, what's going to happen to the surface area? Oh, it's going to go down, sir, isn't it? That's, that's what you'd expect kids to say. Uh, so this task is a nice sort of like cognitive shock to them, I guess. Hang on a minute. I can increase the surface area by re removing cubes. What's, what's going on here? So, it's, yeah, it's a lovely little task. That brings us to the end of this episode of Teaching Together. Remember that you can access the entire curriculum for free at completemaths.com. That's over 1,800 objectives, from early counting to calculus. We hope that you've taken a lot from this episode, and if you have any questions, comments, or thoughts, don't hesitate to get in touch on Twitter. My handle is at TaylorDA01. And mine's at StudyMaths. Or get in touch with Complete Maths on AtlasLED. Or via email, I'm Dave at CompleteMaths.com. Or Johnny at CompleteMaths.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to pass the pod to both colleagues and friends so that we can all improve our teaching together. Until next time, take care. Bye.